Hello and welcome to the Root of All English. I'm your host, Andy, and I'm joined here today with... Ella. Lizbeth. Uh, for today's podcast, we are going to be discussing the short story, A Yellow Wallpaper, by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. Uh, the story is about a physician's wife who is uh, subjected to this rest-sleep cure. And we see through the story how she slowly devolves, and along with her mental state, and how she's slowly driven into madness until we get a shocking twist at the end. Yep. Uh, let's start off our conversation with uh, the first question. How does the narrator's description of the wallpaper change over time? Uh, I personally find that uh, she first, she, while she gives it humanoid traits throughout the entire film, it goes from something that's more of a describing something that's evil to describing something that's actually physically moving and alive, right? She starts actually believing that uh, the wallpaper is an actual physical being or body, yeah. right? She yeah. starts believing that uh, she sees uh, almost like a prison with bars and a girl trapped behind them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ella, could we get your take on this? Yeah, um, I thought that at the beginning, like when she first is put into this house she really hates the wallpaper and just thinks it's like ugly and terrible and that it just looks bad but as she continues to be stuck in this room all day she starts like noticing little things about the designs and the details of it and soon she just starts to become really fixated on it and turns like almost obsessive over the wallpaper and it's like all she can think about it's all she talks about and all of her writing gets a lot more frantic as it continues and she becomes a lot more like invested in the wallpaper and suddenly it's just not wallpaper anymore it's like this huge fixation for her well i also thought that um like she like at first line is something like how like other people would see you know like old and just like rusty and ugly and then just like the more time she was like spending time in that room she started like adding like um characteristics you know like she began seeing like a woman behind it and she just like started calling it uh, like i don't know like physical yeah you know it turned from less than just ugly wallpaper yeah but we started all right uh now moving on to the second question uh what do you think the wallpaper represents uh we take get your take on this, Elizabeth? All right, so I thought that um, the wallpaper uh, at the end represented the narrator. Like, it's, it became, like, a, what, like, she saw herself as. And um, I thought that she, like, hated herself, too. And that she, I thought, like, she felt this way, too, because of, like, they mentioned in the story that she had a baby, so I thought that maybe she had, like, postpartum depression, which is, like, what a woman gets after they get or give birth. Yeah. Um, I kind of thought that it was mostly about, like, isolation and the fact that she was trapped in this room by herself all day and she didn't really get to talk to anybody. And, um, and the fact that her husband was kind of, like, keeping her bound and she couldn't really do anything. Um... And I thought that that isolation and, like, the insanity that comes along with it related a lot to the wallpaper, because I thought that the wallpaper only started to become this subject of obsession and insanity 
like the longer she was kept like contained in this room so I kind of thought that it like represented some like the I the insanity that follows like immense isolation yeah yeah I agree with that I mean she when we go through the entire story we find that she was a uh, she was locked in that room and spent basically all of her time in there, right? Mm-hmm. And the only thing she could do was be left alone with her thoughts and the yellow wallpaper. So she's constantly thinking and obsessing over that wallpaper, starting to make patterns in her head and slowly, and it's slowly degrading her mind, right? Yeah. Which is, so I believe the uh, wallpaper is used to represent uh, a way, it's it sort of used to show a... Uh, what was it called? A, a problem with the rest sleep cure mm-hmm. uh, way of treating mental illness back in the day, which was essentially we're going to force you to sleep, we're going to force you to overeat, and then by overdoing normal things, you're going to get better. And it, it, it didn't work out too well, if you can tell by the uh, story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it reminded me a lot of like isolation in prison, solitary, confi- solitary confinement. Because, like, in prison, you're not allowed to talk to anybody. You're just in that room alone with nothing to do. She wasn't even allowed to, like, write at all. So she was... She didn't do anything throughout the entire day other than just sit in that room and sleep and look at the wallpaper. Like, anyone would go insane with that. Wait, how do you think she was, like, able to even write? Like, where would she have She snuck around it in certain parts. She would say that, like, oh, no, my husband's coming, and she'd stop writing. No, but, like, how did she even get the stuff, you know, in the first place? Contraband. I guess. I mean, she has to go out to get food eventually. Like, she didn't, she wasn't in there the entire time. Yeah. She probably, yeah. like, had it hidden and snuck up in there. Yeah. Uh, Alright, it seems that we've said all we can about this question. I think y'all can agree on that. Yeah. So, let's move on to our third and final question. Yeah. Uh, do you think that the wife is the uh, girl in the wall for the entire story? Or do you think she's just in it at the end? Yeah, that was a twist. Mm -hmm, I don't think I was expecting that. I don't think anyone really was. Yeah, I I got kind of confused at the end. Me too. It was a little unclear, but it was certainly, like, caught off guard. Um, I I honestly think it was only at the end. I don't think that... A lot of the writing just doesn't make sense in the context of her being in the wallpaper. Um... So I th- I kind of just thought of it as, like, the relation of her going crazy about the wallpaper and obsessing mm-hmm. over it, that suddenly she starts seeing herself as the wallpaper, mm-hmm. and, yeah, it, it, it doesn't seem like she's literally the wallpaper, it just seems like a woman who's become so obsessive and losing her sanity and starts to see herself in the wallpaper. Yeah. Uh, I kind of took it as, uh... When we found out that she did become part of the wallpaper, I thought that was sort of a way of her telling us, like, she lost control of her own body and mind yeah. to the point where she became the girl trapped behind her own, her own, he's, she's basically trapped in her own body, like the girl was trapped in her own, uh, in the wallpaper. Yeah. And it's pretty scary, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it's definitely, like, a strange way to show insanity from the point of the author I think is really interesting yeah because like I also saw it as that like um her as like her um depression got worse 
mm-hmm. like her the way like she would describe the wallpaper would also be like more like aggressive yeah you know? have any of you guys ever heard of munchausen by proxy mm-hmm. it's like it's that disorder that where mothers like poison their kids to make them sick for attention oh yeah yeah there's a famous story about that yeah yeah. I kind of thought, like, the whole story, I thought that that's what was going on. Because I thought that the husband, like, she kept talking about how he wouldn't let her do this, and he wouldn't let her go outside for oh. air, and he wouldn't let her do this, this, and this, and this. And the, her husband was in charge of the entire, like, procedure, and he was the one that was diagnosing her, and he was the one that was in control of everything about her illness. Yeah. And it kind of just felt like maybe some foul play was going on and she wasn't actually sick. I sort of felt like, uh, and I use this word very lightly, but he was a victim, again, very lightly, of uh, the time and the medical practices. Oh, for sure. Especially at that time, it was predominantly normal for the men to be in control of the relationship and of their spouses, and it's just generally seen that they're much smarter or better in every way in that time. That's what they thought, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just sort of felt, it seemed like throughout the story that he really did care for her. Like, we see instances of him, like, generally showing that, generally showing empathy towards her. But it just sort of seems like he's just sort of an idiot and just went about it the entire wrong way. Yeah, keep in mind, this story was written in 1890. They didn't really believe in, like... There wasn't much modern illness. science. So... I think it could either be, like, an early, you know, Munchausen by proxy thing, or maybe it was just a product of the times and people were ignorant and didn't know what they were talking about. But either way, it's certainly a subject of discussion, I think. I wonder what would be better, getting trapped in the room and doing that rest, sleep, cure thing, or frontal lobotomy? Good question. Um, I mean, it was only for three months, so I'd probably rather go insane for three months than... Yeah, but I feel like going insane has a lot more... She went insane and then killed her husband. No, she didn't. I don't think she did. No, what was at the end? I think the husband just passed out. Yeah. Right, and then she just kept going. She just kept creeping over But, like, what if because she was so insane, she thought he just passed out, but she killed him? Oh, dang. Oh, dang. That's That's what I thought. That's just a theory. All right, now it's time for our conspiracy segment on this podcast. Now, uh, can anyone tell us what our conspiracy today is? All right, so have you guys heard about the mattress firm conspiracy theory? Yeah, it's been floating around the internet a lot, I've noticed. Mattress firm? Yeah, where they, there's like three mattress firms in literally like in one street. Yeah, they're everywhere for no reason. Like in certain parts of the country, in certain cities, there's mattress firms like every... Like, to every block. Well, why would you need so many mattress firms? You buy a mattress and use it for, like, eight years before... Well, exactly. That's where the theory comes from. That's where the theory comes from. It's like, why are there so many? People are saying that it's because of money laundering. Yeah. Ooh, money laundering. I, I see. know, everyone's favorite crime. They just have to wash the money off. That is not what money laundering is. <laughs> money laundering is... Well, no, that's how it got its name, though. No, it isn't. Money laundering was that... You would start a business that's illegal, dealing drugs, you know, prostitution, whatever, mm-hmm. s- dark web stuff, anything that's illegal that you're getting a lot of money from. And then you open another business that's legal, like selling, like having a laundromat. And 
then you use the money that you're getting and you pretend that it's coming from your other business so it's not suspicious. So that's literally what I just said. That is not what you no, said. No, I said it's cleaning dirty money. That's literally another way of saying that they put it in there and they flush it through, they mess up with the paperwork, so they take their dirty money that they make from the illegal activities and so they can turn it into clean taxable money so you can't get caught for tax fraud like someone like Al Capone got caught for. Yeah. Right? Okay, that's a lot more convoluted, but sure. That's literally what it is. Okay. Anyway, um, so the whole theory is that mattress firms aren't actually there for mattresses. They're mostly just there to cover up some illegal business that the company behind mattress firm is dealing. So maybe they're doing something illegal, and they just open a ton of mattress firms to cover it up so it's not as suspicious. Because mm-hmm. you'd have to, like, mattresses don't make that much money. So you don't really need to, to buy one, like, what, every ten years? Yeah, five if you're really, cl- like, clean. There's only one industry I can think of that would beat so many mattresses, but then again, I can't imagine they can find a way to wash the mattresses. I don't think that, like, I feel like hotels would probably buy a lot of mattresses, but they wouldn't buy, like, actually good mattresses from, like, mattress firm. You know what I mean? I'm definitely not going to be seeing some hotel tycoon walk into my mattress firm and go, like, I, I need 7,000 mattresses exactly. for my hotel. Exactly. My thinking is that mattresses don't make them that much money, because not that many people buy them. Mm-hmm. So they have to open a lot so that it makes more sense as to why they're getting all this money from whatever dirty business they're dealing. So this one's a lot more, like, the Chuck E. Cheese one is pretty much case closed. Like, it's, it's facts. Yeah. <laughs> but this one's a lot more of, like... Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe not. You know, what do you guys think? I think it's true. Mel, eh, it could be true. Oh, they're definitely washing their dirty money there. You're washing their dirty money? Yeah, the dirty money to make them selling drugs. I said it could be true. Yeah, I think it's kind of either, it's not really an open and shut this time around. I think it's just a, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Mattress firm was actually created just so they can launder money. That's the only reason it was invented. Correct. Who mattresses didn't mattresses weren't even a thing before money laundering was invented. That is not factual. I don't know what you're what? Who invented the mattress? Sure certainly wasn't these mattress tycoons with their dirty, dirty money.